You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. But JSC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. As always on a Tuesday, it's the double hitter Dream Team edition. Tonight, welcome back to the fold, the prodigal daughter, Joanne Bainham, wealth manager at Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town, and of course, the stalwart, David Shapiro from Sassin Securities in Johannesburg. I have to start with you, Joanne, because you came out with a couple of things today on your social media, your extensive social media network about the South African Reserve Bank. I saw that as well. And I think it's something that they don't really do. They got a little bit political about Russia, didn't they? Tell me your take on that, please. Oh, yes, they got political about Russia, but they also got political about load shedding, saying that, you know, where's the economy going because of load shedding? But I found the most frightening stat of that is just how much foreigners have been selling our bonds. So I think the stat they were showing is that I think maybe two to three years ago, and don't correct me if I'm wrong here, but... Mm-hmm. SA fund managers were like held 57% of the SA bond market. Today, that number is 82%. Yeah. Uh, it's just they're getting out. And I find that very worrying because foreigners vote with their feet. They just sell. I, I remember as well, Lindsay, I've also been very critical of the Saab raising rates and the latest 50 basis point hike story because this economy is on its knees. It can't afford it. So I, I just find what the Saab is saying at the moment in terms of where this country's going and they keep raising rates all very frightening. At the same time, they were supposed to raise rates to protect the RAND. And what's happening? Foreigners are selling our bonds like there's no tomorrow. So this country's in real trouble. Uh, And if you read what the Saab said, I mean, I find it very, very worrying when the Saab says the RAND is going to be weaker for the medium term. What on earth does the medium term mean? And it's already weak. Yeah, the medium term is is quite a broad statement. I think of the short term as being two, three months. I think of the medium term being a year, year plus. David, what would you say? I I think what they're trying to say is this this is not going to bounce back like it has after certain in the past. You know, we had a crisis, you had a knee-jerk reaction, and then there was a quick recovery. What they're saying is that uh, this is not going to happen. We could stay at these levels for some time. And that's very worrying. And I think what's happening is we're not helping the RAND with our headlines. You know, even today, that uh, we're going to give um, diplomatic immunity to the to Putin if he comes here. Oh. To all those, you know. So when when foreigners see it, particularly when I say foreigners, I'm talking mainly West. You know, when the people who put money into this country, who buy our bonds, start to see it, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to continue to support the country. And I think they're also getting used to the idea that hold on, this is not going to, this is not cheap. You know, I, I, I read a, a number of fund managers on, on Twitter, you know, who keep uh, making comments that uh, things are looking cheap and this is the time to come in. I'm saying, no, there's no need at this stage. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to plug the wall or put your finger in the dike. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm on Joanne's side in this. I'm very, very concerned about, uh, you know, where we are and no attempt by government, absolutely no attempt to actually acknowledge the crisis and other than, you know, other than the Reserve Bank um, and, and to address this and to an extent Treasury as well. It's interesting. Well, I think uh, also, sir, sorry, sorry, Lindsay, I also yeah, think the Reserve Bank realises it can't fix South Africa's problems yeah. on its own. And I think that's been a very big message from them for a long time, that government's also got to come to the party. So perhaps in doing this, they were trying to become political to say, government, what, what are you doing? Because we can't do this on our own. Because higher rates are not going to solve South Africa's problems. They're just not. And, you know, you cannot have diplomatic immunity for Putin in this country when we need the Americans. We still do. And it's just it's mind boggling that we're playing games like this. 
It's also my. No, just before you go on, I just want to say just just say one thing about about the the lack of intervention. If there is some, if something goes on in the United Kingdom or Germany or France or any so-called developed world countries, the leader will have his advisors or her advisors coming to them and say, "You've got to say something about this. Go to CNN, go to the BBC, go to one of the business stations, and say, okay, yeah, we understand what what has happened. This is our stance on it. What we get from Cyril Ramaphosa on LinkedIn is that." Well, we've got a lot more tourists coming into the country at the moment, and and, this, and I think sorry, sorry, wait a second. Okay. Oh, well, hang on, yes. Lindsay. While we're talking about that, he, he had a, some quote he had today about you know our water's great; it's really not a problem. Just be worried about that cholera region. That's a bit iffy. That that region, that water's not great. But but our water's okay. Please come and drink our water. Oh yeah. my! I mean, seriously, yeah. <laughs> this is a country used to have the cheapest electricity in the world. The, the best water in the world uh, and we're what 30 yeah, years yeah. in uh, and places falling apart yeah. i mean the number of people today are saying we're the next zimbabwe is quite scary yeah uh, and to your point Lindsay, yes. you know you you've often been you know you've said you've been critical about south africa and people get all uppity about it mm-hmm. but there's a big problem in south africa today where we make a criticism of this country and you shoot the messenger and you don't listen to the mm-hmm. message Mm. And I think we've got to start listening to messages that are coming through. David Foreigners Shapiro has always said, you, you can't bury your head in the sand. You have to tell it as it is. He's not, mm. David, I'm mm. talking on your behalf mm. here. You're not anti-South yeah. Africa. You're anti no. the no. people that are not just chipping <laughs> away, but yeah. smashing away at the economy. Mm. And if, if you say something which is outwardly yeah. uh, not antagonistic, but in many people's eyes detrimental, whether it be about uh, a certain bank, whether it be about the economy, or whether it be about mm. the country... People say, oh, how dare you say that? Of course you must say it because you have to tell it like it is. And any time yeah. there's something good, you will say it as well. And that's my opinion of yeah. your commentary. Yeah. No, that's, you know, it's dead right. If you don't own up to the problems, if you don't face the problems, you won't sort them out. You know, it's, 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 uh, I've always used the example like, uh, like when a little boy comes back from school and he's being bullied and the father says to him, don't worry, you know, when you're a teenager, you'll beat him up. He says he wants an immediate solution. You know, he doesn't want to wait. He doesn't want to wait till ten years. And 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 you know that's what I'm saying. You know, you can just brush it aside. I and and just for Joanne's sake, and perhaps I started this. I started this many years ago, more than a decade ago, when through my running through the suburbs, I started to see the deterioration taking place. You know, roads being neglected, drains being neglected. Uh, schools being neglected and so on. And I got very, and I started to write and say that once the institutions, you know, once you start this deterioration and decay, you never come back from it. You know, if we don't address it now, and this was decades ago, and I came under severe criticism from my own community for these, uh, you know, for these comments. How can you be so negative? Stop writing negative stories. But no one wanted to recognize that it was just decaying in front of our eyes. And today it's, it's at a situation where uh, the cost of actually reconstructing South Africa is beyond our pocket. You know, we would, we would need a Marshall plan to get this thing going. So that's where I came from, Lindsay. And I learned that. Look at the problem in its eyes, know what it is, sort it out. But don't, 
Don't ignore it, you know, don't pretend. Don't the thing is, Joanne, I don't know what television you watch. I, I watch, I'm not in the Republic of South Africa, so I watch a lot of BBC. They've gone head down on South Africa. There's a, a series called Hard Talk, which is hosted by a chap called Stephen Sacker, and they, he's had the head of the DA, the leader of the DA, whose name escapes me. They've had... Um, Stian Hazen. That's him, yeah. <laughs> They've had, oh gosh... No, not Gwede Mantashi. He was on another programme. But they had Julius Malema, uh, the, the leader of the EFF. That was pretty scary. I must, what was the most scary terrifying. thing is I didn't realise he was 42. I still thought he was in his you know, early 30s or something. But he was actually quite articulate. But the things he was saying, the things that were coming out of his mouth, quite in an erudite fashion, were very, very scary. So you've had that. And there's, there's another one coming up as well. But the one that's, that struck me was a documentary called Our World about the general state of, of, of South Africa because of load shedding. And the BBC did it in, in a measured way. But Gwede Mantashe was, was on. He was prominently featured in this documentary. And I looked at this chap and I thought, I just cannot believe what I've heard. I would urge you both mm-hmm. and everybody else to have a look at <laughs> our world. No, no, I, I, I have watched mm. the I've watched the Julius Malema interview that you talked about. Mm. Uh, it was beyond frightening. Absolutely. I mean, when he comments to say that he would arm the Russians with weapons from South Africa yes. because they're on our side and fighting mm. imperialism. Mm. And, you know, it just you look at this guy and think, what on earth is going on here? We don't yeah. trade that much with Russia. We trade massively with America. Yeah. That creates jobs. That's what you're supposed to yeah. care about. Your own people are in poverty and you're supposed to create jobs for them. You can go to Ibiza and have the time of your life and go do that. But stop trying to run this country. Have you seen where he lives? No, he I don't lives know where he in lives. Hyde Park, which is probably one of the richest suburbs in Joburg, right next to the Hyde Park Centre. He has this massive mansion. He dresses in only the best clothes, eats in the best restaurants, and uh, is fabulously wealthy. But as I say, unfortunately, he's got an infant's understanding of uh, eco- economics and finance and, and, to an extent, world affairs. So he's got a slithery tongue, you know, which comes with those dictators, the Idi Amins of this world, who could get up in front of a crowd and talk and, and hold their attention. But mm. when it comes to application, I think he is extremely dangerous. And I don't think he really uh, would like to see this re- happen, you know, I mean, because I don't think he know how to handle it. Well, getting just back to kind of South Africa and what we're all dealing with here at the moment, and as we said in the beginning, you know, foreigners are selling our bonds. Well, if you listen to the three of us now, it's not surprising, is it? Mm. Uh, You've got huge political risk on our hands. Mm. And if the ANC do lose their majority in in their upcoming elections, do they side with the EFF? I I think that's what people are genuinely worried about at the moment, because it's not that far-fetched anymore. Because for a lot of the time, it was an industrial... IRR, industrial relations or race relations, so the EFF keep losing market share everywhere. But if they become the swing voter for the ANC, mm. it doesn't really matter. Because, I mean, David, you're in Joburg. Yep. From what I gather, how many mayors have you now had? And none of them seem to pitch up the work? I don't even know. I don't even know. The, pr- the problem is that the chap who's running the city uh, is, a, is one of a party who've got three seats in the city council. So it gives you an idea. And they're, they're an extremist party with very, very uh, extreme views. You know, Palestinian. They walk around with Palestinian scarves on. So um, it's, it's you know, and, and Joburg is a city. It needs to be run. It needs it's to be run. an admin job. It's not a political job. You know, the water, it, it needs to produce water. That's what a city does. It provides the infrastructure so that the economy can function. 
that businesses can function and uh, they can collect their rates and taxes and keep the city running and you know create the environment that uh, an economy can prosper. They're, in, they're doing anything but that. You know, that's where they've all gone wrong. This is about politics because uh, in, in South Africa, you know, if you're, if you're in a political position, it gives you the right to steal whatever assets you can lay your hands on. And let's not forget yeah. something, David. Mm. How many people in South Africa are in politics because private enterprise would never hire them? <laughs> no, but it's true. And this is sadly why they kill each other in these upcoming elections, because if you can work for government, you've got a guaranteed salary. I promise sure. you would never be hired in private enterprise. <laughs> no. no, but I'm serious. I mean, no, I'm even, not. I oh, always say okay. it. I, my you know, famous expression is I wouldn't let this government run a tuck shop. But you wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't have any food to sell. No, I, would, no I wouldn't let them run the school tuck shop. That's so how Elon incompetent Musk, they are. Elon Musk yesterday came out with a comment. He said... When incompetence is so bad, it's almost tantamount to sabotage mm. in an economy. Yeah. And I don't know which country he was talking about. That's it could clever. be Turkey. It, it could be South Africa. But, but that's what we're currently mm. dealing with. You know, you've got incompetent, corrupt people running this country who don't seem to care. Mm. And, and, the pe- and the average South African is left to pay the price. I mean, mm. I walk around Cape Town. You see people. You can see the people who have got offshore income because they have big smiles mm. on their faces because every time the rand collapses, <laughs> they're so happy. Mm. But, you know, but most average South Africans do yeah. not have offshore income. Mm. And they don't have offshore dollar mm. assets. You know, and they're yeah. watching the JSC fall every day. And they're watching their fixed income. Yes, they're getting nice yields, but the capital is mm. losing their money. Do that exercise, Joanne. I did it. I did it in a, a small way. I looked at the Ackerman family, mainly because pick and pay was coming under pressure. But I looked at their wealth over ten years, and in dollar terms, you know, first of all, it hasn't even gone up in rand terms. It's re- not that I'm crying for them, but yes. I mean, if you then convert their share of pick and pay into dollars, they down something like you know, forty-five, fifty, fifty-five percent. So in other words, yes, it might not be, it might not hurt them because I don't think they, you know, they'll still have fresh kitka for uh, Friday <laughs> night, you know, for Shabbos. But I mean, you know, but but um, mm. when you value it in dollars, you know, when you value what their purchasing power is, it's been huge. And then you can take that to Adrian Gore Discovery. You can take it to the share options that some Tabalala is receiving, and so on. You know, when you convert but, but I'm it taking to dollars, it. yeah. I'm taking it to the average man in the street that's probably listening to the show. And, you know, they've got a property in Joburg now. They cannot sell. I mean, I saw a stat last week, and it's probably not true, but there is no market in the 5 million rand plus homes in Joburg. No No, no bids, no market. Okay? Now, maybe that's not true. Maybe it's an exaggeration. It's true. It's true. And you've got rates bills going up, and you've got people who don't have second passports who are saying to themselves – and then you get told that you can't even have the job because you know you're not the you're not qualified for it. It's just I, I find it yeah. really worrying. I mean, yeah, people with money will always make a plan, but but the average South African is really struggling. Yeah. And you've got to go like, where does this go? Okay. Um, yeah, we're gonna you're gonna get a lot of reaction to this. Lindsay's going to talk about football now. I'm going to now say <laughs> okay. what, what about that Sheffield Wednesday Barnsley game last night? It's light in the mood. No, I'm not going to. I wouldn't be so disrespectful to Joanne because she's one of she's one of those few people in the world that no, doesn't no, understand no. or like football. So what we're going to do is sort of, is talk about something even more negative, David, mm. and that is a South African company that is supposed to be defensive. It came out with results yeah. today. It's called Tiger Browns, yeah. down nearly seventeen mm. percent on the day. Yeah. Yeah. That was shocking That's to me. That's crazy. Mm. That's, uh, you know, just talking before we came on, before we started recording, this is foreign, because 
if you look at the results, the results were bad. Uh, there's warnings about uh, costs going to increase during the winter simply because they're going to have to continue to supply their own electricity and water at significant costs. They're under, their margins are under pressure. The consumer is also under pressure and therefore can't spend as much as uh, householders used to. Um, but I think once foreigners picked this up, they said that's it. And you can see the price movement. It came at exactly 3 o'clock. Uh, that's when it started to gather momentum. And I think foreigners who own South African shares are now just abandoning the market and saying, I've had enough. I, you saw the same in, in, in Pepcor as well, was down over 10%, and so it goes. So I think, I think that uh, whoever is left holding our retailers and holding the companies that they liked, I think, are just uh, – decided this is it you know we'll find we'll find something else well this is interesting as well joanne maybe you can come in on this one as well because if you're managing an msci etf or you're on the emerging market desk of some developed world trading company investment bank whatever it is you look at south africa and it constantly diminishing in its importance because of the the fall in the currency and everything and they just say look is it worth me phoning up south africa every day and saying tell me about the results at, at tiger brands etc you just say you know what we can deploy our money better elsewhere is that is that a factor joanne like well I, I think quite a few things are going on in markets at the moment and um, to be honest, I've never been more confused in my life than I am currently. But here's some stats for you. Um, the Chinese markets are down 20% from their highs. Uh, and the JSC is a lot of times a, a leverage play on China through our resource companies, etc. So you've got a you've got a China influence coming through in our stock market. In America today, the Russell 2000, all those stocks, I think, have the same market cap of Apple. And as we were telling now, NVIDIA has just gone through $1 trillion in the U.S. stock exchange. So you're getting a market that is fewer and fewer stocks are going up. And it's not just South Africa, it's everywhere globally. And if I was a foreign fund manager, I'm sitting there going, well, China looks terrible. Um, I'm trying to beat my index, but I'm, I'm not in NVIDIA, so I'm getting killed. And, and, like, and I can rather buy some small cap and medium cap shares in the Russell that are probably arguably quite cheap now on forward P multiples. Why must I bother with South Africa? So, we, you know, we, there's a global comp competition for capital. Mm -hmm. And just right now, we're not stacking up. And yes, maybe in three years' time, we'll all go, well, God, wish we'd bought Tiger Brands, wish we'd bought Pipcourt. It was such a give, give me at the time. But I think we are very close to that tipping point in South Africa that we become a failed state. And at that point, those things don't come back, and it's a value trap. So I'm not saying don't buy them if they've got great dividend yields, and maybe you can trust that pick and pay will be around in 20 years' time, and it probably will be. But, but you've got to say there's competition yeah. for capital out there, and there are lots of cheap companies in the world. South Africa doesn't own that space. There's lots Jane, you've got to be realistic as well. By realistic, you've actually got to look at the situation. And I mean, you've got to face on. You know, this doesn't come right by itself. You know, like the little kid who comes back from school. You know, he doesn't just take 10 years to grow up. This is, this is massive. There's some, this is structural. You know, this is not just a, a, uh, un a unique situation where it comes back again after, uh, you know, the, they, they appointed the wrong finance minister or something like exactly. this. Remember those situations? This is, this is structural. Mm. You know, this is much, much deeper. And the problem is that it's, it's got to a point where to make it recover is, is I, I, I think it's an insurmountable uh, task and we're not showing the willingness to do so. The difference between so that's where I'm, you know, mm. that's where I'm saying I'm just agreeing with where you know the worries of Joanne saying hold on a sec, 
you know, NAMPAC, we thought NAMPAC was cheap. And then suddenly you look at NAMPAC and say, well, actually, it's not cheap. You know what I mean? It's yeah. We're in cheaper. that situation. Or we look at, we look at Tongart and we look at EOH and all of those once mighty companies saying, no, they're not going to come back. They're actually dead. You know, the oxygen has been taken out of their lungs. This is not a revival. Joanne, just before you comment on what David has just said, because a friend of ours, David, has has been very uh, pro South Africa because he looks at the income statements and he looks at the historic um, semantics of of the the way that he values South African stocks and says, okay, yeah, we're cheap now. But what I said to him was that Mm. if you look at Nenegate and you look at a couple of other things Mm. like COVID and you look at the performance of the RAND, they, yes... They, they spiked or the dollar spiked uh, because of these, these, these moments in time. This is not a moment in time. Nah, this is a long nah. grind, don't you yeah, think? The, yeah, the yeah, structural yeah, weakness, as yeah. you say, particularly in the round, yeah. which I like to look at. Yeah. Am I right? I think I did right. I, haven't, I don't own one South African share. I don't, even no. for clients, when I say there might be a handful of of bid vests or something lying around in some portfolio, mainly because I don't, I don't manage a lot of local portfolios. But uh, uh, when I look at you know what we've seen and the structural issues, I can't get. There's nothing that attracts me into this market. Absolutely. Okay, so I, I'm not quite there yet. Mm. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the rand is, I mean, arguably quite cheap mm. at the moment. Uh, it, mm. it could get a lot cheaper. Okay, <laughs> but it, it does feel a bit. And I think we need a recovery in China for us to get bullish on the RAND. Because remember, yep. under the Zuma years, we had a currency that was okay, thanks to the Chinese bull market. So let's not forget that it's not always about South Africa. Lately, it has been. Because mm-hmm. if you compare our currency to other emerging markets, we're definitely deconnecting between the two. We're delinking. Mm-hmm. So there's no doubt at the moment a lot of this is our own doing. Mm-hmm. But, but at the same time, you know, you do have weakness in China. I, I, for South African clients I look after, yes, you have a very nice share of global assets. But... But they do have a lot of local bonds because with the oh, yields bond, on yeah, okay. because with yeah, the yields on sure. I mean I I play mm. I mean a lot of people tell me oh you should buy SA Inc because the upside mm. potential is so enormous and it's mm. so cheap and I go well I'd just rather buy SA bonds because mm. the mm. upside's also quite big maybe mm. not as much but the downside yeah. isn't as bad because at least I got some pay some yeah. yield while I'm waiting yeah. for things to work out. Yeah. I mean listening to you it sounds like we could be years in mm. figuring this I'm, out. I mean, I'm I'm with you in bonds. And uh, I think we're going through a short-term issue there, but the yields are attractive. Yeah, but, I think they are very uh, attractive. Know, and even if we look at our miners, I mean, they're battling. You know, they're battling issues. I looked at Pan-Africans' numbers the other day. Here's a super, super little gold company, and they've had such a proud record, just taken out by load shedding, just taken out by the country. You know, nothing they can do. Sorry, David, and, while you were talking just now, it suddenly occurred to me, you know, you're talking about Tiger Brands and you're yeah. highlighting that they were saying they've got no water, they've got no this, they've got that. Mm. And you kind of have to wonder as an African, what on earth are we paying our taxes for? <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, what mm-hmm. countries around, people pay tax. Mm. So a government power will supply yeah. them with things like water and electricity and roads mm. and lights on the roads and, you know, safety and mm. schooling. I mean, what on earth are we doing? No. I mean, you I said not, the problem you know, I know, is that you yeah. you dare not not pay your tax unless you go oh, on no, a revolt. Right. Oh no! Yesterday, uh-huh. I there was some comment from SARS that they're, they're going to double up their their actions to get us. They're going to come get yes. us if we're not paying oh, our no. taxes. Uh-huh. They're going to you know they're going to increase their efforts. <laughs> and I'm going, wait a minute. Hmm? When do we have a right yeah. to know who's governing oh, this no. country and what's happening? 
What, what's the quid pro quo for the money we're paying? Do the exercise. Just do the exercise of what you pay in taxes, what you pay in rates, and then have a look at schooling, okay? Have a look at, you know, you have to send your kids to private schools. Uh, security, you have to make sure that you're secure at home. Um, power, you have to make sure you get your own power. You have to make sure you get your own water. All of this. So add up all those expenses as well. I, I suppose you can go on. There must be other elements of our life that we're also paying for. Okay, so all of that. Let, let's, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. But the, 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 the tax story is obviously a, a quite an emotive one. Um, and uh, good luck with you two on your, uh, your Twitter feeds tonight, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and David, don't go running for a couple of days. I wouldn't look over your shoulder you if you are on Call It Drive there. <laughs> and let's have a look at, some, look, look at some prices now. I've got the dollar around at 1970. It's off its lows. It was 1982, I think, at one stage. Um, I've got the British pound against the rand at 24.44. Uh, the euro rand, oh my goodness, 21.13. I bought a chair the other day because I've got a bad back. I can't tell you what it was in rand. I, I converted it to rands and I, I thought, what have I just done? What have I just done with the euro rand at um, 21.13? Anyway, the euro dollar is 107.25, which is a euro that is about 0.3% higher against the uh, the greenback. British pound, 124.05. Okay, on to commodities now. Gold price, yeah. It's always the same with gold. You get so excited yeah. about it. And now suddenly it's 1961, which is which is up $13 on the day. But, I mean, it was looking as though it was having its a, a day in the sun a couple of weeks ago. Not anymore. <laughs> Platinum unchanged at $10.25 an ounce. Palladium just below $1,400, $1,394, which is down $19 per ounce. Now, this is more interesting. This is the oil price, which is $74.00 and 25 cents per barrel it's coming off its lows but still down three and two thirds percent that's brent crude and west texas seventy dollars 17 which is down 3.9 percent natural gas prices down 2.2 percent and so it goes on soybeans and wheat all coming down as well coal prices up two percent funnily enough we were talking about them earlier on 166 dollars 50 per ton steel down a percent iron ore down half a percent uh and the yeah, all yeah. important bond it, prices iron ore's actually below 100 oh has it gone yeah. below yeah mine's um mm, i don't see mm. the chinese feed i see i think the, that could be the future yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Okay, I've got uh, the U.S. Uh, the South African ten-year at eleven point three two percent. The U.S. ten-year is three point seven one percent, which is eleven basis points weaker than yesterday. Uh, S and P five hundred futures on my screen. These are the June futures at forty-two nineteen, up very very slightly. And Bitcoin, if anyone wants to know about that. Um, <laughs> So it's 27,674, which is down a third of a percent. David, you're the man for the uh, the, the daily stocks because uh, Joanne's more of a long-term strategist rather than a short-term watcher. So what does a stocks caught your eye today up and down? Sorry, Lindsay, before yes. we finish that, yeah. please, I have just one word on oil at yes, the end, if you don't do. mind. Yes, go on. No, can, can I do now? it now? Yes, yeah, okay. I just It's just interesting, you know, you guys talk about oil and we also talked about it earlier today. That, you know, the, the oil price keeps falling despite um, the efforts by OPEC to keep the price up. But how's this for a stat I heard today? Shell, the oil company, yes. has got a free cash flow yield of 16%. That's extraordinary. And every month is buying back 1% of its market cap. It's buying 12% yeah. of its market cap back in a year. That's how much cash these things are spewing out. Yeah. Uh, you know, the market only wants to hear things that like NVIDIA and AI, and yeah. we're all never going to yeah. have a job again. And that thing's in a price-to-sales ratio of 40 times. 
you can buy Shell, a boring <laughs> oil company, despite whatever your view on oil is, a free cash flow yield of 16%. No, it's just unbelievable where markets are. Yeah, it's 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 not going to be like that in six months' time and a year's time, though, uh, Joanne. Given what the, the price has done, you, the, your, the sort of uh, statistics you've just quoted are because of the oil price being, you know, fifteen twenty dollars per barrel higher than it is now, and also for for, for chemicals. So uh, get used to it. So don't get too excited about oil prices, especially <laughs> yeah. as you're going to have. Jack Grant. I, I'm saying these companies mm -hmm. are peers of seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I even think Shell's even sorry, lower than that. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Shell's five and a half. Sorry, yeah. let me correct that. Shell's mm. five and a half. Even if the oil price were to halve from here, mm. based on this last year's numbers, mm. you're getting a P of 10. Yeah. It's still ridiculously cheap, no matter how you look at this thing. Mm. And to assume the world doesn't need oil is just utterly ridiculous. Well, so anyhow, go back. Joanne, all I can say is that in five to, five to seven years' time, <laughs> you're going to be having grandchildren. And I can only say... I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope you can live with yourself God, when you I buy a, a fossil fuel company. <laughs> Okay, um, let's move on. David, right. David uh, the, the stocks on your screen that uh, moved we, you. We mentioned, or didn't, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned well, Tiger Brands. We mentioned but go Tiger ahead. Brands, yeah. yeah. It's down nearly 17%. Tangela, that's the coal company, yeah. which has just been under constant pressure. And I'm not sure what the reason is. I know that the coal prices have come down. But uh, there's just ongoing selling down 11% today. Uh, Pepco came out with their numbers. A similar, a similar story. You know, mm. Just uh, customers are facing constrained um, consumer environments. So I think, I think they can't spend what they did. Um, Pepco down about 11%. And then Telcom, Pick and Pay also down, Netcare down. All of those under pressure. The one that struck me yeah. is, is uh, Bytes. I've been watching Bytes for a year for only because one of my clients owns quite a big parcel. Up of nearly 10% today, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this has come from about 1890 all of a sudden. Look, it is pounds. It does earn pounds. This is, uh, you know, operates in the UK. and But it's now at 120, which I think uh, has made up a lot of lost ground after just, just being in the wilderness the whole of last year. So a really good business. Funny enough, I chose it for my own competition, but it's only one of five that I managed to get right. So okay, well, just, just one one thing I must say as well. Just sad to see MediClinic off the boards today. Another oh, is, company off there. Has it gone? Another yeah. one bites the dust. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Taken out by the shipping company in Remgro. <laughs> Gosh. Wow. Okay. All right. So Another one gone. Let me give you. That's a big one. That's not a small one no, either. It's a monster. Well, uh, it was no. not anymore. Okay, mm. I'll give you mine. Uh, bites the aforementioned. Uh, Nine point six percent higher. Industrial REIT up for nearly five percent. Hammerson up nearly four percent. So a couple of in, um, property companies doing well. Carew three point eight percent to the good, and Sirius up three and a half percent downside. Just to reiterate, Tiger Brands nearly 17% weaker. Tungela nearly 11% down, also nearly 11% weaker. Pepcor Telcom down nearly 7%, and Pick and Pay down 5.5%. 32.75. Where was that at its peak? You know, sorry, I'm, I'm picking on David here, Joanne. Which one is this one? Pick and Pay. It's down another 5.5%, oh, no. 32.75. This has gone down to 2008 levels. It does occur to me, I mean, one of the themes from today's conversation is just foreigners relentlessly selling, whether mm. it's equities or, yeah. or bonds, because 
the reality is, as a South African analyst or fund manager, you can't be surprised these companies are coming with bad results. We, we live here. We can see what's yeah. happening. Mm. It shouldn't surprise any of us that they're, you know, having to produce their own water or go and get it from somewhere or produce their own electricity. This is not new news for us. But the way these shares prices are reacting to so-called new news tells me the foreigners are just selling. I, I agree with David. It makes it doesn't make sense otherwise. And I say it doesn't matter to the foreigners because they just say, oh, well, you know, this is a 0.3% yeah. of my emerging market portfolio. Press the button, get rid of it. It doesn't matter yeah. to me. It's, it's it's not indiscriminate selling, but it's selling. It doesn't mean it's not as if they're looking I, at China or, 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 or something, David. I'm just looking at... Uh, Joanne asked a question about, I think that pick and pay as far as I see is back to 2003, 2004, but that might be in dollars. I don't know. I don't know. I might be valuing it in dollars. I've got to relook at this chart. But I mean, even in dollars, it just takes you back to 2003. All right. Um, Joanne, uh, just to finish with you, um, mm -hmm. you prefer bonds. You, you were talking about the fact you haven't got quite to the tipping point yet when it comes to South African assets. Do you, are you more heavily weighted to fixed income assets, for example? Because I noticed on Asset TV you held a, an interesting discussion with, um, with two or three other uh, brain boxes the other day. So what's your attitude mm -hmm. towards it compared to equities? I, I just like the, the yield argument. And I think yields are very attractive here versus inflation. So the real yields you're getting in South Africa are extremely high. Yes, you've got RAND risk. But remember, a lot of our bonds are in local currency. So we don't have, you know, it's not an issue. If we had a lot of dollar assets and dollar bonds, I'd be more worried. But a lot of it's local currency bonds. And then if I look at South Africa, a lot of our shares have nothing to do with the local economy. So I'm going to buy shares. I'd rather be buying global shares at the moment than ne necessarily a Richmond, an Anglos, or, you know, Anheuser-Busch. I'd rather be buying something that's more interesting offshore. I mean, you heard my energy call. You didn't like it. But, but you know, I still think that's really <laughs> no. interesting. <laughs> no, that'll, um, that'll come back and bite you. But that's, uh, that's fine. Well, it's down at the moment as we speak. I mean, people don't want to buy in these things. So, But the reality is to make money in markets, you often have to be contrarian. Yes, you do. Joanne, thank you very much for your time. David, the same. Joanne Bainham is a wealth manager at Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. David Shapiro is from Session Securities in Johannesburg. And that was the five o'clock shadow. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.